0: affects everyone whether directly or indirectly it touches the lives of each and every person throughout this country and throughout the entire world for many of us when we hear these stories and the histories of wars of the present and the past we stop and we think wow i'm glad that's not me but what if it was you As we recall the sacrifice and the bravery of soldiers uh, across the globe today, this Remembrance Day, we're also looking at what it would be like to be caught up in a conflict that isn't even yours to begin with. Dave Yoshida is a teacher at Cold Lake High School, and I'm here in his classroom today uh, talking about just that. Dave, how are you? oh good thank you thanks for having me tell me a little bit about yourself uh, the things that you teach here at Cold Lake High School things like that
1: Uh, I guess this is my uh, 26th year here at the high school in Cold Lake Uh, I teach 11th and 12th grade social studies and I guess one of the big things is I uh, co-authored four of the textbooks for off, uh, Oxford University Press, uh, two on globalization, one on nationalism, and one on political and economic ideology. So that's, I guess, what I do in my spare time.
0: <laughs> that's, that's your hobby? That's my hobby uh, besides the football end of things. Yes, that. so no, no stranger to um, world events and things going on um, globally. You bet. And, and here at the high school, um, I'm, I'm sitting in your classroom, and we, it's it's amazing. There's just, people call it a museum. Yes, it, that's, I, that's that's what it looks like. Right, right. There's there's war memorabilia all over the place.
1: You know, we always sort of you know talk about within the social studies you know uh, uh, group uh, that it's tough hands-on, right? For social mm-hmm. studies, you know, history, you know, it's tough to do hands-on things. That's why I'm always so jealous, you know, the science department and yeah. that is they can do labs. And so I've tried to collect a number <laughs> of things that you can, you know, pass around when you're talking about it and kids can actually see what these things, you know, mm-hmm. felt like, looked like, smelled like, and so forth.
0: Yeah, so. it's it's intense in here. Um, it it, it kind of sets a good vibe, actually. Like, okay, good. I'm, I, I'm good. glad that we're doing the interview right in here. It kind of you know, set, it's appropriate. Tone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, as as a history teacher, especially one you know, as steeped in in war history uh-huh. and things like that, can you tell me a little bit about, from your perspective, what does Remembrance Day mean to you personally?
1: Well, it's a, it's a it's a it's it's a big one in the sense that uh, it's not something I just think about on Remembrance Day. Uh, this is something that is I'm not going to say daily, but it's often. Uh, Most of my students know, or a lot of students within the province of Alberta, given the curriculum, know the story about uh, specifically the Japanese-Canadian internment during the Second World War. Uh, And when I say Japanese-Canadian, I mean then that statistically two-thirds of those people with Japanese ancestry were citizens, and uh, both here and in the United States. Uh, had their property confiscated by the government and sold off and uh, spent, you know, up to three and a half years in internment camps in the Rocky Mountains uh, and in the deserts of southern Idaho and other places in the U.S. So there were 22,000 Japanese Japanese Canadians that were interned during the war and 120,000 Japanese Americans, of which... Uh, two were my mom and dad, oh, wow. and then my grandparents, great grandparents. My mom and dad were four years old at the time of the internment, right after Pearl Harbor, and uh, uh, my grandparents had, you know, uh, their, all of their property—a flower shop, a grocery store, their houses, their vehicles—you know, anything they couldn't carry with them in a suitcase was confiscated by the government and taken away. And then my mom and dad uh, grew up, age four, five, six, seven in an internment camp called Minidoka in the southern Utah desert. So, uh, you know, I guess the Second World War then has always been very, very personal, like it is to millions of other people, but uh, perhaps in a pretty negative way in that, you know, they were citizens. Uh, My mom and dad are fourth generation, you know, born in America, yet, uh, you know, because of their ancestry, they were uh, discriminated against and put in camps. Now, uh, where the story then comes in and why, I guess, one of the reasons I got into the military history part of things was that—and uh, I, and I still find this hard to believe—that the U.S. military went into the internment camps— and actually asked the young, you know, Japanese Americans uh, between the ages of 18 and 40 to actually volunteer and fight for the United States in the Second World War. So, you you know, you understand the sort of illogic in that, Mm -hmm. in that, hey, we've incarcerated you. We have violated every right and so forth as a citizen that you have. Yet we would still like you to perhaps fight and die for the country. You know, so, yeah, it just, yeah, the kids, you know, in my class are just like, are you kidding me? You know, you've just taken everything that these people have worked through, especially it was during the Great Depression that mm-hmm. you're trying to get this stuff, and then you, you know, you ask them to, to fight for America, you know, and well, uh, 14,000 of these young Japanese Americans did. And uh, a number of my great uncles and so forth were part then of what is now historically called the 442nd uh, Regimental Combat Team, and it was obviously very uh, uh, unique in that it was made up of all Japanese American soldiers okay. commanded by white officers. And anyway, so you can you know you ask the question then, you know why would you volunteer? and you know from interviews and so forth with many of the veterans you know it was to try to prove that you know they were as american Mm -hmm. as anybody else right and trying to in a sense you know perhaps convince people of that so that perhaps might you know life might get easier then for the next generation you know post second world war and so that's where the story sort of begins for the personal part of it is that uh my dad's cousin, his name was Frank Masao Shigemura from Seattle, mm-hmm. where our family's from. Uh, he was in the 442nd in Company H. And uh, on October 22nd, uh, 1943, uh, he was uh, in a foxhole in the Vosges Mountains in southern France. And uh, we just heard this. This is crazy because we just heard this story a little while ago uh, at my grandma's funeral uh, that... He and a friend were sitting in this foxhole in this forest, and the friend turns to my dad's cousin, Frank, and says, you know, why are you here? You know, why are you doing this? Right. And the answer uh, that we got, quote, was that I'm doing it for Mamo. And uh, Mamo is my dad's, uh, my dad's middle name. So my dad's okay. Japanese middle name is Momoru, and everybody calls him Mamo. So, uh, you know, that was cool. And then the tragedy is the next day, Frank was shot and killed by a German. You know, and, and so, all right, he died. And what did he die for? Well, he died to try to make things better for the, you know, coming generations. And in a sense, you know, did my dad then you know, who was five at the time, I guess, you know, did he have the opportunity to, you know, live a good life because of the sacrifice then of this 442nd. Right. And just, you know, Mm -hmm. another historical side note is that the 442nd, given, I guess, the uh, motivation, incentive to fight, you know, well and hard, given the circumstances, Mm -hmm. uh, becomes the most highly decorated uh, military unit of that size in U.S. military history. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. So I think there were 21 Medal of Honor winners in the 442nd out of 14,000 guys. You know? And then I think the sad thing is uh, there was, I think, you know, almost 10,000 Purple Hearts, which yeah. is for being wounded right. or killed in battle. You know, so out of 14,000 to have almost 10,000 Purple yeah. Hearts, that says something, right? So anyway, uh, you know, I guess I always remember, you know, then my, my dad's cousin Frank mm-hmm. you know, because of the sacrifice and... And, you know, hey, I live a good life here now, and I owe it then to people like that, right, Uh, within the family. Right. You know, it's not just some stranger, you know, that, you know, know, it's somebody, you know, that uh, we're related to and and made the ultimate sacrifice, and have I benefited from that sacrifice, Mm -hmm. you know, totally. So -hmm. I guess that's why, you know, it it becomes very personal remembrance day, and, uh, you know, yeah,
0: it's pretty sad. Absolutely. It's it's interesting because, you know, we don't really hear about, you know, the interment of, um, you know, Japanese, American, and Canadian citizens. We we hear often about the other end of it, you know, especially in, in film and literature. You know, I think of like uh, Unbroken, Lower Hillenbrand, right? And when, when we talk about what it was like for, you know uh, uh, Americans who are being in, interned by by the Japanese right. prisoners what of that war, was like, soldiers, absolutely. right? Not right.
1: citizens of you know right the the country, yeah, right? Totally, you know, yeah, I, I hear you.
0: Do you know Do you know what life was like in those camps? Like, oh,
1: oh, for sure. Like uh, I show my students. You know, we have pictures of my dad as a five year old outside the. You know, the barracks, Mm -hmm. you know, that uh, he had to live in for three years. Uh, One of the other things that we know about is it's really sad. Again, my students for a long time have seen these photos is that, uh, you know, all of a sudden now, say, post Pearl Harbor and post Executive Order 9066, which then, you know, gives the president the power to relocate people then from their place of, you know, residence. uh, It's just unreal in that now you need a place for 120,000 people. Yeah. You know, and that just doesn't happen, you know, overnight. And mm-hmm. so here it is. I always, you know, tell my kids, how many of your parents, you know, have had to live in horse stables mm-hmm. at a fairgrounds, you know, outside of Seattle, you know. Uh, so that's where my uh, dad's family was. You know, I think it was three, four, five months while they built the camps. Right. You know, so yeah, like you just stuck people wherever you could, you know, find, you know, the places for them. So yeah, horse stables. I don't think a lot of people in Cold Lake or you know, this yeah. area can say that, but you know, that's mm-hmm. what my family's been through.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel that you know, as, as a country in our, you know, our observance of Remembrance Day and our recognition of, of these sort of things, do you feel that we do enough to remember these things or is there more that we could do?
1: Uh, you know, that's a really tough question. Uh, I, I, I think we, 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 we do enough in that uh, uh, it, it just becomes tough. When now we're so far removed from the last, you know, major conflict, you know, now I know Canada and Afghanistan is there and so forth, uh, and that becomes a little more, you know, I guess relevant, you know, to right, to right now. But uh, you know, say outside of the cold, you know, the Cold Lake community, for example. I mean, how many people know somebody that have served in, you know, a combat zone, right. you know, provincially or you know, across this country? I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's there there are there are lots. But it's not like it was the Second World War or Korea or something like right. that. And so I think it's tough just because again, if you're sort of that far removed, you know, it just over time it just doesn't become, you know, important, relevant, you know, and so forth. So Right. You know, like I, not, I, not an
0: intentional forgetting of it. It's right, just right. It's yeah.
1: just that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Right? That that that's, you know, time. So, you know, hey, am I glad that we do the uh, you know, every year we do a Remembrance mm-hmm. Day ceremony and so forth? Oh, for sure. You know, but uh, do I understand that some kids, there's almost no connection, Mm -hmm. you know, to it other than what you've heard in the classroom, you know. So, you know, I I don't blame anybody for, you know, uh, not taking it all serious. I don't know if that's the right word. But, you know, again, it's just not relevant to some people.
0: Right. Why is understanding the world's history with war so important? Well, I
1: think there's a couple things is... uh, you know, for the kids where, you know, where 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 war is, you know, war has been a video game. It's been, you mm-hmm. know, a movie like Band of Brothers or Saving Private or whatever, American yep. Sniper, Lone Survivor, you know, yeah. any of those. Uh, I think it's important, you know, uh, and, and I'll take the old adage that uh, a great war movie, you know, is a great anti-war movie.
0: You yeah. know? Okay. Now, yeah. If
1: you can get that across to kids, I think that's a big lesson in that hey, you know, these movies that don't, that are, are very blunt, they don't, you know, uh, try to soften things, uh, you know, that serves a purpose in that, hey, there's nothing cool about this. Right. There's nothing neat about this. Uh, you know, most people then that are sane, you know, do not look forward to war. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important lesson, right? Because, again, when you're playing Call of Duty and Battlefield on the PS4 or the Xbox One or whatever, you know, yeah, you yeah. just become desensitized. Right. right. To death. War is awesome, right? right? Exactly. Because, because look,
0: you die, oh, I can just jump back right, right in. and.
1: And look at the weapons I get to use you know. and look how cool this is and so forth. So I think, you know, Hollywood and so forth, you know, serves a purpose, you know, in trying to, I guess, lessen, mitigate, you know, that kind of attitude that war is, mm-hmm. you know, awesome. I think the second thing um, that, you know, some of the lessons you can learn besides the desensitization is, uh, again, what I call good history in that you know history just doesn't have to be out of a textbook you right. know and so forth it's all you know it's got to be personal. And so many kids, when you start to dig or ask them to dig, force them to dig, yeah. you know, into family <laughs> yeah. history, they find out there are, you know, mm-hmm. uncles, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, whatever, you know, that did fight in the First World War, Second right. World Korea or whatever. And then, and then again, I think it becomes a heck of a lot more interesting than just Mr. Yoshida, blah, 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 you know, or whatever about this, that, and the other thing. I think, you know, that also is something that's, you know,
0: really important. Mm-hmm. Just for my own curiosity, for you know, in your point of view, for someone who wanted to, you know, experience like you said, you know, good history through through media through literature, um, what kind of films or books would you recommend?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Well, okay, let's see here. (laughs) That's a tough question. There's just so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for the Second World War. The two books that uh, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks' miniseries called The Pacific, Mm, uh, what it's based on, Wars, I Knew It, and A Helmet for My Pillow. Uh, would be two of the real, I guess, uh, you know, foundation pieces of literature coming out of the Pacific Theater that I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is just a personal thing. You know, back, I think it was in grade seven, I got a copy of this. It's William Craig's book uh, called Enemy at the Gates about the Battle of Stalingrad in 1942-43. And uh, it it was just, it's always been a favorite. I think I've lent that book out to students, you know, probably hundreds of times Mm -hmm. over the years, uh, just because... It's done in a way where it's not just dates and, you know, whatever, whatever. It's done from a general's perspective, a, uh, you know, mother's perspective, a Soviet soldier's perspective, a German soldier. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just probably a dozen perspectives, a Soviet sniper's perspective, you know, about this battle of Stalingrad. and That that really, you know, stuck with me all these years. I still reread it every couple of years.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, One of the other, I I think one of the great films that I've seen uh, has to be Downfall. Okay. And downfall is in what I tell my students in my top five, and it's uh, based on uh, a book, a couple books on the last days of Hitler's life. Oh, okay. And uh, it's a it's a German film,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, um, the actor that plays Hitler, who is oh, Bruno <laughs> uh you know, has done the research, and my gosh, I tell my kids, you know, he is Hitler. Mm. Uh, like it, it just gives you chills because he's got all the mannerisms and the accent and it's perfect. Yeah, And uh, it was nominated for Academy Award, you know, a few years ago. And again, Downfall would be one of my favorites.
0: Mm. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, you know, taking the time and sharing your story. You know, I, I think that you're you're dead on, you know, with the glamorization of of warfare. You know, and I'm I'm right in that generation that was you know a big part of that. Um, and I remember, you know, thinking, oh, like you know, watching. The movie "Enemy at the Gates," which I'm sure is nothing like the book, because it's, it's, it's considered <laughs> actually one of the
1: most historically inaccurate yeah, films right. on the Second World War. You, you've got you've
0: got British Jude Law playing Russian, <coughs> and then you've got Ed Harris, the American, playing the German. You know, it's it's a disaster, right? But I remember talking to my great grandpa uh, once. Um, you know, I I I'd, I'd seen his. You know his his picture of when he was nineteen twenty up on the wall. You know, and he was in his uniform and everything. Like that and I, oh, I I wanted to know. I was interested in in what he what he had done in the war, in the Second World War. And I asked um, my my grandma first, his his daughter, and he said, Oh, he was he was a medic. I said, Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to ask him. And so I asked him. I said, Grandpa Bill, I said, Can you tell me what it was like? Like, what did you do? He said, No.
1: Yeah, and that would be my experience, too, with many of my uh, great uncles that were in the 442nd. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't talk about it. And and I understand that in yeah. that, uh, how can they describe in words, mm-hmm. right, the experience of, of, of combat? You know, like, I just don't think it's possible. Right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't do it justice.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? So if, you know, this this November, if we wanted to do something a little bit more to you know remember the the sacrifices of of the people who fought what what could we do i would say you know you know i would i would ask you know students then to
1: you know ask grandparents ask parents mm. you know ask relatives you know about somebody in the family that served you know and, and then there's that connection there's the relevance right and then remembrance day becomes you know not just watching the brian adams video on yeah. remembrance day and whatever you know in Flanders fields you mm. know it becomes personal and then that becomes I don't know. It just I think it just becomes that much more important,
0: right? It's not just a, you know a a memory or a holiday. It's it's a real, actual, yeah. an actual thing, right? You know? Right, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, David. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Northern Lives. If you or someone that you know has a story that should be featured on our podcast send an email to northernlives at nlsd.ab.ca and tell us about it. Or you could also send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find us on all those platforms at NLSD69. Thank you again for listening. My name is Dallin. We'll see you next time.